Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Burgundy Network Podcast with Josh Taylor, HTTR. I had to take a quick halftime break to tell y'all a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain. It is absolutely free, and they give you the creation tools that you need that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast right away with no minimum on listenership, and is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app like I did or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the second half of the episode. What's up, Redskins Nation? It's Josh Taylor with the Burgundy Network Podcast, and it feels too good to be back talking Redskins football. Um, I know it's been a little quiet in the offseason with some obvious changes to the podcast, but I've absolutely been doing some work behind the scenes. Um, getting things ready for the off season, and um, I'm I'm excited to be back. I'm ex- I'm excited to show y'all the new product. Um, been working on a project, and that project actually starts today. Um, the one thing I've been really looking for, and one thing I've been talking about a lot on Twitter, is you know, it, it's been a joke the last few seasons for the Redskins. You know, calling us like off season champs, and you know, the most exciting things happen in the off season. But um, you know, one thing as a fan is. I, I certainly get excited about the offseason and, you know, whether it's free agency, um, but also the draft. It's just something I've always loved, always watched the Combine, Senior Bowl. To me, it doesn't matter. I'm all about it. Um, I don't know if that's just because, you know, I'm a huge fan of the NFL, but also a diehard fan of college football. Um, but it's just exciting to see things happening and seeing how the future of the Redskins is just being built out. So maybe I'm the only one, but to me, I love the off season and, you know, just interacting with fans on Twitter, I, I can see that other people are paying attention, putting in their input. So, um, so yeah, I, I decided to start this project and it is literally just breaking down the Redskins position by position. And, uh, and to me, the one that's been circulating the most and the one I decided to do first was the tight end position because it's been an obvious weakness. You know, when Jordan Reed was healthy, he was definitely top five in the league um, a few years back. And when we had him, you know, it was, a, it was a huge game changer and it really helped out our offense. But obviously from the past, I'd say, few years now, just because of the uh, injuries of Jordan Reed, we really haven't had that solid tight end position. You know, guys like uh, Kittle or Kelsey. So we just, we need guys like that. I'm not saying we're going to sit here and get a Kittle or a Kelsey, but I'm just saying, I don't think it's a coincidence that those are the two teams that made it to the Super Bowl. So, and Redskins fans, we have a lot of opinions on it. Everybody, you know, wants Hooper, people want Ebron, people want Olsen, some people are against it. So, uh, one thing that's just really stuck out to me is everyone has their own opinion. And, but but at least we all are realistic and realize that our current situation is not how we need to head into next season. So, keep that in mind. Um, But, first and foremost, just want to break down the current situation at tight end. Um, and on this episode, I'm going to give you the current situation, why the tight end position is so important, what's the free agent market like, and being realistic, and then what to expect for the draft. And there's definitely going to be some like differences along the way, whether it's free agency or draft. All this is just my opinion. And I'm telling you, I really just sat down for hours and just looked at this, looked at the positions, looked at each tight end on each team and how it's different, how really the position has evolved and who would make the best fit. And I swear one night it just clicked in my head and it just hit me and I'm like, okay, this is exactly what I could see next season. So I'm just, I'm ready to just get it all out of my head now. But um, yeah, definitely stay tuned because this is going to be a good episode. But uh, first and foremost, the current situation at tight end. 
obviously Vernon Davis retired the day of the Super Bowl. Really weird uh, way to announce it. Um, but huge shout out to Vernon Davis. You know, definitely left his stamp um, in the NFL. You know, with the 49ers as long as he was, and then uh, with the Redskins, and left us with a great last memory of just. Uh, destroying the Eagles and hurdling uh, the secondary for that touchdown. Definitely a way to go out. So, uh, big shout-out to Vernon Davis. Um, but then after that, you know, life after Vernon, like, what what is there? And to be honest with you, it's just a bunch of question marks. Um, and really, that's, that's the one thing that Ron Rivera said um, when he sat down with Larry Michaels. It was during the Super Bowl show on a... Radio row, but just that th- there's a huge question mark. You know, he, he broke it down saying, All right, we need to take a look at our core players, you know, the quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, so on and so on. And he really broke it down by each position, but um, the, the tight end position really stuck out because that's our obvious question marks. And like I said, Ron Rivera said it best we have our tight end. Probably not because we're probably going to lose both those veteran guys if they're both coming off of injuries. Good. You know, uh, Vernon's probably going to retire from what I understand. And Jordan, we're not sure on him as far as health. So that's a big question mark. And like I said, Vernon Davis obviously retired. Jordan Reed, we I we haven't heard a single thing out of him. You know, I kind of forgot he existed. Can't stay healthy. And it's not, it's not like a knock against the guy. But when you get a concussion in the preseason and you're, you're out for the whole season, it's just really concerning. Um, to me, it's life beyond football, and it's just a business decision. We saw Luke Keekley do it, and I'd say his concussions are up there with the number of Luke Keekleys. So it's just concerning. And who says? I mean, that was like his first, that was his first game back. I think it was against the Falcons in the preseason. First game back, like it didn't take long. And uh, yeah, it was a bad hit. It was a dirty hit. But who says he's not going to come out and get another one? And then at that point, like, was it worth it? No, because what like what did you get out of it? Your health is more important. Your family is more important. And I just think that should be a standpoint. But we're just kind of waiting. I don't know like if we'll hear anything or if he's just like, ready to play or what. But, um, yeah, so that that's it for Jordan. And then Jeremy Sprinkle, obviously, we saw last season, you know, no knock on the guy, but... Gosh, he's just, it's, he's not reliable. You know, he drops passes. It's just he's not hes not the answer. Like, he'd be a cool backup, like, whatever. Um, but, like, to me, it's just, it's not its not worth it. It's not working out. And then Hale Hinge is Alabama tight end. Uh, signed late in the season, made some plays late in the season, showed some kind of shine. Showed that he can, he's a great blocker, first off, I'll tell you that. Um, you know, being an Alabama fan, watched him his whole career at Alabama, and he's a great blocker. He was, he was big in the uh, run scheme for... Uh, Coach Burns and uh, Coach Saban at Alabama, and he he showed us that he can also make some catches. He can score in the red zone. So um, I'm not going to give away my exact prediction until the end of the episode of what I expect the the roster to look like. Um, but I think Hale could make the cut, and I don't think Jeremy Woods, to be honest with you. And um, that's just my personal opinion, but I'm going to tell you why. So why is the tight end position so important? Why is it that these teams are having such success with great tight ends? You know, like I said, the two teams in the Super Bowl had the number one and number two tight end in football uh, with Kittle and Kelsey, the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't think that comes to any coincidence. And I think that is why this this offseason is so important because we really need to address this because, I mean, look at last season. Look how the Redskins played. We we were missing it greatly. We were 27th in the league in red zone. 27th red zone scoring. Why? Because we don't have a big body up the middle to actually catch the ball. We can't just, you know, throw fades and slants to Terry and, and Sims all the time and expect it to work. Yeah, it works sometimes, but having that piece just really limited our offense. And... And to me, it's not even just that. So outside of red zone scoring, what does the tight end position give you? What separates the the guys that are elite like Kelsey and Kittle and Ertz from just the regular tight ends? And that's something that really interested me is what, what makes a good tight end a great tight end. And after just really watching tapes and stuff, the most important thing is what can you do for me 
between the 20s. What can you do to open up my offense, spread out the field, get the defense you know, on their heels, and cause confusion and, and, and get up and make catches? So it's not just... You know, can you get up and be big in the red zone and score? That's, that's just size and athleticism. We can get a lot of guys that do that. But one thing that Kittle and Kelsey do, and I'll even say Ertz, and you saw Mark Andrews come on this season. I'll, I'll even put him in here. But they do a really good job at running routes, getting separation, and being deep threats. So if you look at stats-wise, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, and Andrews all were in double digits for catches over 20 yards. Not many people were, but Kelsey had 13 catches over 20 yards. Kittle had 16. Ertz had 12. Andrews had 16. So it's not just, you know, can you be big and can you block and, you know, can you help me out in the red zone when I need you? It's what can you do to spread out the offense? And that is so important, especially with the Air Coriel offense. That is pretty much like the centerpiece of the Air Coriel offense. And absolutely, there's different Air Coriel packages. You know, there's the West Coast, and to me, I'm expecting the offense to kind of look like what we saw out of San Francisco this year, but it's just, it's going to be very important that, you know, we have a tight end that can help out that offense and help out Dwayne Haskins. So I did a little bit of research on the Air Coriel offense. Like I said, there's many different packages, um, but obviously Scott Turner, you know, getting this offense kind of passed down uh, from North Turner and Mike Martz were pretty much like the two big uh, students back in the day, um, or Bill Walsh also. But um, just doing research, the, the, the thing that I found most interesting is when I looked up, you know, what what do we need our tight end to do to really fit well in the Air Coriel offense? And this is one thing I, I found that really interested me. The Coriel offense is mainly predicated on passing, but also employs a strong running game. With so many receivers running so many possible patterns, the idea is to stretch the field, which also stretches the defense. Coriel also helps foster tight ends as receivers more than blockers, with more and more tight ends running wide receiver routes. Passes in this offense rely on timing, with the quarterback throwing passes to their intended location of the receiver, allowing them to catch the ball and turn upfield for larger games. So, who does that sound like? That's That absolutely sounds like Kittle and Kelsey and Ertz and Andrews. Getting the ball in the middle of the field, being able to get upfield, make big plays, spreading out the offense. And to me, this is what I kept in the back of my head the entire time I looked at who we should get, why we should get them, who we need to draft, and who needs to go. And this is very key. And that's one thing. Scott Turner is going to know what he he knows what he wants to do. And he wants to get his guy. So that, that brings to the next point. What is the market like? I'm going to start with free agency. Because this is one that everyone's been going back and forth on. You know the draft. Everyone's kind of up in the air. There's certain guys that people like and stuff. But the free agent market is one that really interested me. And um, one that's been heavily debated. And I want to start with this. Absolutely would be awesome to get Austin Hooper. It would be phenomenal to get Eric Ebron. You know, these big names would be just awesome. But we got to start thinking, how realistic is it that we're going to get Austin Hooper? Atlanta would be fools if they didn't put him on the tag. It would make no sense. Hunter Henry. I don't want to pay him big market and try to reset the tight end market uh, with contracts on a guy like Hunter Henry. Yeah, when he's good, he's good. When he's healthy... But right now, that's I don't see that as our need as a questionable young guy that's going to get a lot of money. Eric Ebron, I think he could be a great addition. Um, some question marks with him. You know, he's more of a red zone threat to me. I don't see him making big plays up the middle of the field like we're going to need for our offense. Doesn't really excite me. I'm kind of like cool, but I don't know. And then we have Greg Olson, who's been talked about heavily, obviously, uh, with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner's offense. He said he's interested. He, he made his official visit uh, just recently to Washington, and he's going to Seattle next to uh, make his visit there and then pretty much come out to a decision. Uh, but then you just got like this random sea of random guys like Vance McDonald, Ricky Seals-Jones, Tyler Eifert, who's kind of intriguing, um, and then Darren Fells, who has just been a touchdown beast this year. Um, I think he had like seven, something crazy. But anyways, to me, it's it's what's realistic. Are we just, are we just gonna sign every guy that we're interested in? Like, oh yeah, I want uh, Austin Hooper. We're definitely gonna go after him. Like, we're, we're we're definitely gonna get him. 
it's not like and that's one thing we really have to start like considering would you rather just you know say hey Austin we're not really interested you know good luck in Buffalo or Seattle uh we're gonna pursue Austin Hooper and then Hooper ends up going somewhere crazy like New England like what what would make Austin Hooper want to come to DC what intrigues him to be like hey guys you know I mean I would say money maybe but I just I don't know it might just be me but I don't see it being realistic first off I think he's gonna get tagged second off why would he want to come here out of the other 31 teams and outside of him like Hunter Henry I'm not interested in I don't want his injuries you know when he's good he's good but I'm I'm it's not it's not worth it. We could put money in better places right now, um, other than him. And then like I said, Ebron for the right price, I'd be for it, you know. That'd be that'd be a good addition. Uh but to me it's being it's being realistic. What what is the safest bet that could happen? And to me that's Greg Olson. And I know so many people are against it. Josh, he's so old, he hasn't played a full season since twenty sixteen. We need to get younger, not older. And we're going to get younger, not older. And and that's the thing is getting a guy like Greg Olson or hell even Jimmy Graham like I'm not really for it 100% but wouldn't be like mad if we got him it's a veteran guy at a position that we are completely missing but I'm all for getting Greg Olson having a guy that knows exactly what Ron Rivera wants to do knows exactly what Scott Turner wants to do and he can still he's still successful you know, this past season, 597 yards. He had 600 yards. Averaging almost 12 yards a catch. His longest went 40 yards. And he had two touchdowns. To me, like, it's still there. Obviously, Cam went down. Um, obviously, they had Allen and then switched out to Will Greer. So, quarterback was a little kind of up in the air. But still, like, I think Greg Olson can bring some success. But the biggest thing to me is, you know, having him able to run the offense that Ron Rivera wants. And being that veteran leadership, kind of like what Adrian Peterson's doing with our running backs. We're still going to get young. We're still going to draft somebody. People act like if we get Greg Olson, then just we're shutting down everything. Like, that's finals. Greg Olson, sprinkle and hinges, that's it. No, we're we're making changes still. And we could still get other free agents, like, out there. But to me, it just, Greg Olson is the, makes it that makes the most sense you know people it's not a guarantee that we're getting hooper it's not a guarantee that we're getting ebron or hunter henry i get it you gotta pursue it but when's the last big free agent we got landon collins and then before him deshaun jackson what makes austin hooper say man i want to go play in dc i mean unless the contract and like the price was just outrageously high that we offer him but still like it's not a guarantee tyler eifert still on my list ricky seals jones Kind of intriguing. Vance McDonald, he, I don't know. He, to me, he's just a little big. He's just kind of weird. Uh, but there's a lot of possibilities. So, 2019, leading in yards, Austin Hooper, 787 out of the free agents. Hunter Henry, 652. Surprising at number three, Jason Witten at 529. Big props to Jason coming back and uh, being, you know, successful uh, back on the field. And like I said, Tyler Eifert, 436. Ebron, 375 yards. So, like, those numbers, like, especially Ebron, like, I, we need more out of that. We need more yards. We're going downfield. We're spreading the offense. We're not just, you know, this isn't a move-the-sticks guy. Like, that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for, hey, we're at third and three. We need to, you know, pick up the first down, throw Ebron in, or, you know, only in the red zone. We, we need a tight end who can help us between the 20s, like I said. That's what makes the good tight ends – different from the great tight ends you can't you can't separate the field you can't run your routes you can't get separation you can't go vertical you're just a horizontal floating around the first round sticks tight end and we need more touchdowns fells led with seven which is crazy uh hooper had six henry had five witten with four like i said shout out to witten ricky seals jones four to me it's just if we were to pick a free agent, obviously Austin Hooper is the favorite. That's who everybody would want, you know. No off-the-field issues. I haven't seen, like, any major injury concerns. Nothing, just a young guy just thriving in Atlanta. Hunter Henry, number two. But to me, I'm just I'm just not high on him because I've seen his injuries. And I've seen him, like, be out for a good period of time. And to me, we're not going to hit the refresh button on injury-ridden tight ends so 
to me, it's just that not there. I haven't seen enough to just completely change the market for tight end salaries for him. Ebron, cool. Like I said, I wouldn't be mad if we got him. I wouldn't be like hype if we got him. A lot of people think he's just so great, but I think it's, I think it's because we've been missing it for so long. Anything's better than what we've had. But I'm telling you, I realize Olsen is getting old. I'm not expecting some long-term deal. I'm fine with the one- or two-year deal for Olsen if the money's right. I'm fine with him helping our draft guy grow the next two years and become a Hooper, become a Henry, become a Kittle, become a Kelsey. And it's out. They're out there. Who knew Mark Andrews before You know, the last season? Nobody. So, like, it, it's all a process. You just... But you have to take what's realistic. We're not going to sign Hooper. We're not going to sign Chris Harris. We're not going to sign Amari Cooper to a cheap deal. We're not going to just get every single free agent like on our list. Y'all need to realize that. What's realistic and what should we not risk losing because we want to pursue someone who's probably going to get tagged? And that's the interesting thing is Greg Olson's had this head start to the whole you know, free agency market. He's on his visits right now, and he was the first. He got the train rolling. He's like, I don't know about y'all, but you know, I'm getting, I'm getting things done now. And he's, he's had that head start. So that's what's interesting. Do you take Greg Olson now and risk missing out on Hooper and Henry and Ebron, or do you just push Greg Olson to the side and say, Yeah, no thanks. We're going after these young guys. And then get none of them and end up with freaking Vance McDonald or someone. Like, and don't sit here and tell me Vance McDonald is better than Greg Olson. Or Jimmy Graham is better than Greg Olson because I'll take Greg Olson all day. That's really the situation. Like, which which route do you go? And me personally, I know people have their opinions. Call Olson old, what washed up, whatever. Y'all have your opinions. That's cool. But my opinion is... I feel comfortable with Greg Olson because he's in he's been in the he's been in the situation. He's been with Ron Rivera, he's been with Scott Turner. He still has it. It's not like he sucks, you know. Go with Greg Olson, bring him in for a year or two. Who cares? The free agent market will be open again next year. Like it's not like we're missing out on Kelsey or Kittle. Like, yeah, Hooper's damn good, but it's not it's not like we're missing out on like the Tom Brady of tight ends, you know? Um, I, I just say go with Olsen, and I say draft your guy. Draft right, you don't have to worry about it. If you draft the right guy, then you have your Hooper. Then you have your Kelsey. You have your Kittle. Then you can put your money in somewhere else. You can put your money in the secondary that sucks. Put it on anywhere. It doesn't matter. But like I said, Greg Olsen, fine with me. I'm all for it. I've talked to people on Twitter, and you know we've obviously heard back and forth between the two. Yes, no, don't want him to all whatever. But that's what I think. I'm fine with it. And like I said, if you draft right, then it doesn't matter. For me, we need a guy who can be in that offense. So that leads me to my next point is what what do I expect to happen? Like I said, I expect Hooper to get tagged. Uh, Henry, too many injuries to give big money to. Ebron, is a possibility if we miss out on Greg Olson. Like it's not even a guarantee that we get Olson. I get that. But it's it's more likely because of his relationship with Ron and Scott Turner. Um, and he's even said he's interested. So what I believe the depth chart's going to look like, what it could look like, and this is me. You know, we said Davis retired. Reed, I think he's gone. I think he will retire. And I think Sprinkles cut. I think our depth chart next year looks like this. Number one, Greg Olson. Number two, whoever we draft, which I'm going to talk about next. Three, Hale Hinges. I think he showed enough to make the team and be a part of the offense, you know, be a part of some packages. And he does provide great blocking as a tight end in the run game, and that's important. We need that. Um, so that's just the way I see it. Olsen, our draft pick, and Hale Hinges. I don't, I don't think Sprinkle makes it. I'm not 100% sure, but I think his contract was next year, and he'd get an increase. And I'm just not – we don't – that's it's just not it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm completely okay with signing Greg Olsen to a vet deal, drafting a stud in the draft, and just letting him learn and grow through Olsen, or whoever else we get at tight end. But, like I said, I think it'll be Olsen. You know, one thing everyone's been saying is, getting Greg Olsen would just be a short-term fix, and we don't need a short-term fix. We need a long-term fix. But wouldn't you say having Greg Olsen come here on a short-term deal drafting a stud, and just letting him grow and develop the Olsen, wouldn't that be a long-term fix? You know, if you draft right, then it doesn't matter. If you draft right, then you have your, your next kill. You have your next Hooper. You have your next Kelsey. 
So to me, that I mean, that's what I don't get is, you know, people come at me saying, oh, we don't need Greg Olson. Like, why do you want someone old? Like, we need a fix. We need to draft. We need to call Gronk. No, like, y'all need to be realistic. Hooper's getting tagged, and I will put money on it. Atlanta would be stupid to let him walk because who else are they about to get? They're going to tag Hooper. Henry's going to get hurt pro or get tagged. I don't know what the Chargers plan to do. And Ebron's not going to just come in here and just magically fix our situation. Hell, let Olsen come in and work with the new guy. And that's what I'm saying. And it's, that's why it is so important who we draft. And I'm going to have a lot of people mad at me about something on here. Um, but a lot of people agree with me. So, and the facts and the facts that I spoke about earlier and what the offense looks like and what we need in our tight end is going to help back this even more. So one thing I really did was look into the draft and see player by player who we could possibly draft, what picks they're projected to go, their strengths, their weaknesses. And then at the end, I have my top three and who we should go with and why. So I know a lot of people have been doing, uh, projections and you know uh, mock drafts on the draft network big shout out to them they were absolutely uh helpful in, in uh this project you know not many and the, the funny thing is how many people watched a Dayton football game this year none of y'all how many of y'all watched a Florida Atlanta game this year not a single one how many people watched LSU this year a lot how many people watched Purdue but and, that, and that's what's so exciting to me about the draft is there's so many good guys on teams you don't know that you don't watch. And people are so quick to go to the guy that won a national championship. Taking a look at each player, um, breaking it down, I have the nine guys in the draft for the tight end position um, that I'm going to take a look at that I've done a lot of studying on that I've broken down. And because even if it's not someone that the Redskins could get, I still wanted to look at them, evaluate them, and, and show people why, you know, they wouldn't be a good fit. And in the tight end position, we've talked about how deep the wide receiver uh, draft is this year, but the tight end position is just as deep. It, it's been, it's probably the deepest tight end draft I've seen in a while too. Wide receiver, hands down the best wide receiver draft I've seen in a while. Um, but tight ends right up there too. And there's nine guys I'm talking about um, today, just briefly, but I'm going to pick my top three and show you why they work. Um, but big thing to watch out for is the guys who got invited to the combine. So that list came out uh, about two days ago. Um, and there's some guys on the list that are going to be at the combine that I'm talking about. So really just watch the combine just see how people measure up. Just watch the guys work out. You know, not a lot of people do, but I, I watch this kind of stuff every single year. Um, but guys like Harrison Bryant from uh, Florida Atlantic, Hunter Bryant from Washington, Bryson Hopkins from Purdue, uh, Cole Kmit from Notre Dame, Thaddeus Moss from LSU, uh, Al Oak, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. I just call him Al, Al Oak uh, from Missouri. Kobe Parkinson from Stanford, Jared Pinckney from Vanderbilt, and Adam Trotman from Dayton. Those are all guys I'm talking about today. Once again, we're not going to agree on everything, but if you don't agree with me, let me know. You know, talk to me on Twitter. Tell me why you disagree, why you think these guys would be good, or why you don't want the guys that I select. First and foremost, Bryson Hopkins is uh, voted the number one tight end in the draft by the Draft Network. Um... Senior from Purdue, 6'5", is what ESPN has him listed at, 241 pounds. Um, projected to go 63rd in the draft. And to me, this is where, you know, things get kind of blurry. Because, you know, talking Redskins picks, after pick number two, we don't have a second round pick. Our next pick comes in the third at 66. And to me, that's not the spot to take a tight end this season. But some people believe it is, so I'm still going to break it down. So Bryson Hopkins, pros, he's a fluid route runner, and he's a great ball carrier in the open field. Sounds good. I mean, that's what we need. Athletic for his size and works best in the slot role. So once again, he's lined up in a wide receiver uh, routes, like what the Air Coriel was talking about earlier, and has the ability to catch in traffic and body up like a center in the post in basketball. So he has everything. You have... He has the red zone threat. He has the ability to run downfield, 
get separation, run routes in a wide receiver role. He's everything you're looking for in an NFL tight end. Um, obviously, there's some cons with everybody. So um, his con seems to be that his strength in line in his frame. So he's a smaller frame. He's uh, not much of a blocking tight end, more of a receiving tight end. So once again, like the air Corey I was saying, more receiving than blocking for your tight end. Um, you know, Auburn with pass rushers like Derrick Brown really took advantage of him back in 2018. Um, but still, like he's everything you're looking for, not just the red zone, but between the 20s. So uh, Bryson Hopkins would obviously be a good pick, but I just don't think that's the right move for the Redskins at 66. And um, I'm definitely going to do some more breakdowns along the way, and I'm going to end everything with my final mock draft uh, after I break down the positions. But for me, this just isn't the spot. And I'm, I'm going to talk in a little bit about where and who kind of hinting, kind of giving that away a little bit. But um, so the second tight end in the draft by the draft network is projected to go 67. That's Hunter Bryant from Washington. The junior is only 6'2", 240. So it's a little small. Um, him and Thaddeus Moss are definitely the two smallest tight ends in the draft this year. Uh, but still his pros are a great route runner, especially in zone coverage. Um, he lets the QB find him often. So he's, he's able to get open probably because he's a little faster than uh, what's expected for tight ends. Um, he had great separation. If you watch his tape, uh, was really good running deep routes, especially to the outside, which was kind of interesting. Um, he has great ball skills and has a great speed for tight end. When he gets the ball, he can be gone quick. So let let him get the ball and he can get upfield, uh, which is what you're looking for. Uh, cons, just like Bryson, just isn't the best in line, not, a, not the best blocker. Got a small frame and not a lot of mass to him to hold off good pass rushers. So one thing is he's pretty bad on back off his feet when he sets to, you know, take a stance in the blocking. He can get pushed off balance. Um, but he's more of a passing game player. So if that's what you're looking for, then he's your guy. But he would be terrible in a, a Bill Callahan situation, obviously, trying to run the ball 80 times. Uh, Cole Kmit from Notre Dame, 6'5", 250. That's what ESPN has him listed at. Notre Dame said he's down to 235 now, so it looks like he trimmed up some. Um, I've, I've even seen this guy going first in a lot of mock drafts. Um, to be honest with you, the he's an interesting guy. Because he played baseball first, and then he transitioned to football. He's just an overall great talent. Um, the one game I really saw him play was against Georgia. And that was like his first coming out game, uh, first game of the season. And he dominated. And I was like, whoa, who's this guy? And then he kind of just, you know, floated along the season. But he just, he has more, people realize what, what he can grow into. So I think that's his biggest thing. Um, he's great coming off the line and getting open. He's very quick on his release. Um, he's good at blocking, and he's a great route runner. Uh, I'd say he's as balanced as a blocking tight end and receiving. You know, it's not like he's dominant in one. He's just great at both. Uh, so, you know, he's he's balanced. He's, you know, not, like, dominant in one. And he's not great at either, but he's just really solid at both. Uh, great upside with more experience. He just needs to be on the football field more. Like I said, transition from baseball, so... Uh, give him some time. He's a great project, but projected to go at 70. I just don't think realistically that's where the Redskins are going to go. Um, cons, his hands can be a problem. Seldomly uh, passes can get to his chest. You know, doesn't really like pinpoint him with his hands. Uh, he can get put off balance sometimes by D linemen. And the biggest thing is just he doesn't have all that experience. So it's going to take some time for him to grow into an NFL tight end. Um, really played two seasons, but his junior year was his breakout season. Project player that can grow high ceiling is the note I put for him. So, good guy, but I think he's going to go somewhere else. I just don't see the Redskins drafting someone that early. Um, and the next one is probably the most that I'm passionate about. And I say that because I have gotten into so many fights over this guy. I will stand my ground to the day I die. And it's funny because I see people that take my sides and I see people that are against this. This is probably the most talked about tight end and the most back and forth tight end in the draft. And he's projected to go 78 and he's projected the fourth best tight end in the draft. 
and that is the sophomore from LSU, Thaddeus Moss. Yes, it's Randy Moss's son. 6'3", 225. And this this is the thing I've just got to say. I don't hate this guy because I'm an Alabama fan. I don't hate this guy because he made a quote-unquote catch against us that he was obviously out of bounds with. But anyways... I just, I, this is what bugs me so much is, like I said earlier, how many of y'all watched the Dayton game, Florida Atlantic, Purdue, heck, even Notre Dame, Vanderbilt, how many people watched these players, these other guys play? I guarantee you not three quarters of y'all have watched either of those teams play. But of course, everybody watched LSU play. That offense was on fire this season. And that's the one thing that bugs me. Is it, it's even the national championship game. Oh, we scored two touchdowns in the biggest stage for like 30 yards, and he was wide open on one. And the second one was pretty much like a garbage touchdown to end the game. Like, he he wasn't, he didn't do anything magical, and that's what's it's so confusing to me. And am I saying he's going to be a bust in the NFL? No. But what I'm saying is everybody's got to chill out on this guy because... You know, saying, oh, the Redskins are going to take him in the third round at 66. Why? I pray to God we do not. If we do, like, it's going to it, I, it's gonna blow up my mind. And he is literally the complete opposite of what the Redskins need at tight end. Get vertical. Spread the field. Get downfield. Run routes as a wide receiver. He can do literally none of those. Not a single thing. He is so freaking slow in his routes. The only thing he will be in the NFL is a is a red zone threat because he's athletic. Yes, he can go up and get passes. Yes, he has a big frame. Great hands. But he's not going to run some freaking route up the middle and get separation from these NFL linebackers or secondary and just be some athletic freak that y'all think he's going to be. He is literally the complete opposite of what the Redskins need. And it's it's mind-boggling. People just say, well, oh, man, this guy's a stud. Like, he's going to be the best tight end in the NFL. No, he's not. And once again, I'm saying, I'm not saying he's going to be a bust in the NFL. But he's certainly not going to be a freaking Gronkowski or a Kittle or a Kelsey. Like, this is not what we need. He will be good on another team, but it's not our team. So, Thaddeus Moss, 6'3", 225. Pros, has a high catch radius. Has reached to catch harder passes, so he has a bigger window. Um, can get out of blocks and run routes, you know, short routes. Uh, best trait is boxing out and just winning competitions and making the catch. Can be tough in blocking and set the edge. Long arms, dense frame. So he's a blocking tight end that can get you a first down on third and four. Like, that's, that's all I got. Uh, cons, not a new age tight end. Won't get long passes, won't get vertical, more of a quote-unquote move-the-sticks guy, slow route runner, not good at deep patterns like Gronk, Kill, Kelsey. Ball carrying is not the best, he's fumbled a few bit, and slow feet to burst. And that's probably the biggest thing. He is so freaking slow. You really think this guy is going to run these solid routes in the NFL at half the speed that's needed. Like, do y'all really think this guy is just going to run these athletic routes in the NFL against these linebackers and the secondary in the NFL? No, absolutely not. And that's the thing. is we That's not what we need. Y'all are complaining about Greg Olson, but standing that we need Thaddeus Moss. Hell no, we don't need Thaddeus Moss. He can be somewhere else. Like, he might succeed in other... And in other schemes, but he's he's certainly not an Eric Coriel tight end. Complete opposite of what you need. He is absolutely a Bill Callahan run the ball tight end. Maybe last year he'd been good for us, but he's not what we need. And I will literally stand on that hill to the day I die. That Thaddeus Moss is not the answer for us. Um, sorry, I know a lot of people are in love with him, but it he's just not it. So, um, especially at seventy eight, like if he fell to like. 120 something maybe but there's just too many tight ends better than him too many tight ends that are going to be better in the nfl than him and i stick with that um projected to go 93 overall jared pinkney from vanderbilt senior 6'4 255 number five tight end in the draft pro
pros, big body who will bruise linebackers and secondaries. Uh, great frame, very physical. He's a ball hawk and just goes and gets it when it's in the air. Uh, has a great burst, especially over the middle, and just great hands. Uh, he's a guy I actually watched a good bit in college, um, being at Vanderbilt, you know, being SEC, someone that Alabama plays. Um, but, you know, he's I think he's going to transition well in the NFL. The one thing he really needs to uh, focus on is he relies way too much on his athleticism and not technique. So he's not like the crispest route runner. He's he's can be too physical sometimes. You know, it's, it might cause some injuries. Um, but he's had a lot of experience blocking out. Could work on his leverage. Um, and he just needs to learn to read coverages better. So it's just technique. That athleticism's there, but he needs to learn a little bit more of the X's and O's as a tight end in the NFL. And this is where it starts getting interesting for me in the draft. And this is where I start, um, you know, putting in place that the Redskins could draft their tight end. And to me, uh, Harrison Bryant, uh, Florida Atlantic senior, 6'5", 245, was very impressive at the Senior Bowl. Um, projected to be drafted at 123. Um, is very interesting to me because, you know, we do have that 105 pick in the fourth round and he's exactly what you're looking for for the air Coriel offense and if you watch his tapes and watch what he does um his pros he is long arms and is a true receiving threat he was the john Mackey award winner which means he's the greatest tight end in college football last year great hands to get out of blocks and run his route has the production uh with 65 catches a thousand and four yards last year and seven touchdowns People are comparing him to Kittle and Kelsey. Plays the same way. Big body guy, tall, 6'5", 245, but he's fast. He can run routes. He can get upfield, be vertical, spread D defense. That is what we need to do. Um, Khan's not the best blocker and can be clumsy on the line. Not so good on line of scrimmage much at all, like coming out as a like true like a iPhone tight end kind of. Um, and just needs to learn more routes. They had him on a pretty... Uh, specific route tree but hell it was working so i would have too i mean a thousand yard year for your tight end um but that's what we're looking for we need that guy to get vertical and what he's gonna what is he gonna do between the 20s he's gonna catch deep passes that's what you need um and in this next guy i've uh, seen actually a good bit of mock drafts have the redskins getting um this guy he's projected to go 135 overall could slip to that 140 i think we have the 141 pick um, or we could pick him at 104. Uh, either way, solid pick. Um, that's Colby Parkinson, Stanford Jr., 6'7", 251 pounds. Great hair. Um, but he's the biggest tight end in the draft for sure, especially at 6'7". And what's crazy about him is his size. You would think he's a slow guy, but he's actually fast. He's actually really athletic. You know, he looks like he's 6'7", but he doesn't play like he's 6'7". Um, he's a great football IQ, you know, going to Stanford. He's a great frame. Um, and his range in line as a blocker is great. Uh, huge catch radius with his long arms. Can make adjustments. Has a throwing window that's bigger for the quarterback. Great movement for his size. Played everywhere at Stanford. Um, can be fast for his size. So biggest, biggest pros for sure. Um, cons. Doesn't create much of an upfield push in the run game. So, I mean, he can hold a block, but he's not going to, like, create an edge for you or get upfield with his blocker. Kind of just uh, stand still. And he's not too aggressive or physical. He's more more technique. You would like him to be a little bit more physical, kind of, you know, ball hawkish skills. Um, and he's not too dangerous after catching the ball. So, it could be he could be better at getting separation. He could be better... Uh, getting upfield with the with the ball, but or like after he catches it, but he's great at running deep routes and getting upfield. But he could he could just work on that a little bit more. So he's great running his routes. He could get a little bit better at his separation, but all in all, big guy, big catch radius. You can throw some deep passes to him, and he'll come up and get them. And then at one thirty seven, Albert uh, Oakway is what I call him. Uh, junior six five two fifty five from Missouri. Another guy. At one point, he was the number one tight end projected. Um, I want to say at the end of last season, he was. 
so it's been interesting to watch, you know, his journey throughout for his last season in college and how he's kind of slipped back to like that eight spot for the tight ends. Um, but he has he has huge upside. His pros is great athleticism and versatility. Has good technique as a blocker. Can run a deep route fast and makes catches when contact is there. So he's not afraid. You know he can run routes up the middle even though he knows he's about to get hit. Um, and he's great at tracking the ball and he's, he has natural catching hands. Cons is he's had some knee injuries mostly because of how he's not afraid to take a hit. Uh, I think it was a game where him and Kelly Bryant both got banged up and he was out for a week or two because of his knee, but nothing's like severe. Um, and he's not the best in short routes. He could be a problem if you did need to move the sticks on third and short. Um, and he, he struggles against tight ends underneath on short routes, but um, the NFL will really want him to drop weight and work on breaks and bursts, but he just really attacks the middle of defenders and draws contact that's not necessary. So uh, they'll, they'll want him to work on that. But the deep threat and athleticism is there. It's what you want, something that we could add. So both Colby, Albert, uh, and Harrison Bryan are all three intriguing to me in the fourth round because it's really what we're looking for in our tight end, with that vertical, getting up field, more receiving, lining up in the wide receiver routes, um, kind of a tight end. They could all absolutely do it. Another guy that really stucks out to me that just had an, a great showing at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Nagy did a great job down there in Mobile, as always, with the Senior Bowl. And it just allows guys like Adam uh, Trotman to just show his skills. And he's a senior, 6'5", 251 from Dayton. Um, just an athletic freak. And he, he, to me, it's just surprising that he's that far down. Um, especially like if you look at uh, Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant was the number one tight end in football last year, and he's ranked sixth in the draft. So that's what I'm saying. This draft is ridiculously deep. Um, but Adams, he's really intriguing. He reminds me a lot of Harrison Bryant. You know, tall guy, athletic, can run routes. He can make make you just look silly deep. Uh, there was one tape, I forgot who was on him, but he did a like a 40-yard route and just got, it just burned the linebacker. And that, to me, that's like the, that's the biggest upside for him. Pros, excellent height, length, and frame. Um, he's explosive in his routes, especially for his size. Like I said, 6'5", you expect him to be slow, but he's got a burst to him. Um, he can high point the ball and make tough grabs. He can spread the field and make others open. Um, Jim Nagy had high praise for him at the Senior Bowl. Second round grade by some, which that's nuts considering he's projected to go 147 in the fourth round. Um, some give him a second round grade. So that just shows the upside and the ceiling that this guy has. Um Fluid route running, technical blocker. A lot of people comp him to uh, Kittle. So, like I said, the, the ceiling is absolutely there. Um, Cons came into college as a quarterback, which is crazy for as great as he is as a tight end. So he needs more experience. Um, and he plays at an FCS level. And that's always a concern for scouts. You know, this guy played in the FCS. How is he going to translate to the NFL? And to me, it, that's just that's not a great enough con. Like if the the if the athletic ability is there, then like draft the guy. Don't be like, oh, well, he played at Dayton, so we don't know how good he is. Like Antonio Gandy, Golden wide receiver. Yes, he played at Liberty. He wasn't playing Alabama every week, but still. Um, so yeah, it's to me, it's not really a a uh, major concern is that he played at the FCS level. Um, but scouts just question the increase in the level of play. Um, and he just needs more work in line as a blocker, which will come in time. To me, this is the way I look at it. My tight end in the draft needs to be able to catch, make deep threats, spread the defense, get upfield. If you're not the best blocker, I'm cool with that. That's something we can work on. But I just want your God-given ability and talent to get upfield, make plays, spread the defense, and play vertical. Open it up. This isn't Bill Callahan's run the ball 50 times a game and throw a 10-yard slant offense. This is the Air Coriel offense. This is the West Coast, essentially. That's that's what we need in the draft. And to me, it just really narrowed down, so I would even say three guys. 
definitely Adam Trotman, especially as late as he's projected to go. Colby Parkinson from Stanford and Harrison Bryant. All three big tight ends, tall, 6'5 or taller, but carry their weight exceptionally well. Run their routes very well. Can get separation. Can line up in the wide receiver spot and just go. Can take off. And that's what we need. We don't need Thaddeus Moss lined up in the I-form as a tight end and taking 30 seconds to run 10 yards. Like, come on now. I don't care if they're not the best blockers. That's something we can work on. That's something Greg Olson can show you. That's something we can work on in the offseason. I just need your God-given talent to go and get that ball. That's something we haven't had. So, to me, Colby, Adam, and Harrison Bryant, all three of those great pickups. So, um, you know, some people want the Redskins to go early, but I don't think it's worth it. I think there's too much talent early in other positions, and there's too much talent later for the tight ends to just get a you know tight end in the third round. I absolutely see the Redskins waiting until the fourth round. We have two picks, and I'm cool with either of them. It was like 101 and 140 something. If if we you know start seeing some tight ends come off the board with that 101 pick, then we're like, all right, well maybe we should start considering it. And I could absolutely see us getting Colby Parkinson and Adam and Harrison Bryant in the fourth round. I, I that's that's what I want. That's what I expect us to do. If the Redskins did draft early. I'd say Bryson Hopkins, but honestly, I think it's just worth waiting till pick 104 and 141 or even 148. And there's a lot of talent. You know, with our scheme, with the NFL success these days, I think Harrison Bryant, Adam Trotman, and Colby Parkinson are the way to go. I feel the best about these three because they'll all have that raw talent that could just translate to the NFL and be refined even more. And like I said, they might not be the best blockers, but that's going to come in time. With our scheme, that's not going to be like the most important need for us. But yeah, to me, that's just that's that's what I think. And I I, I feel good about that. I think the most realistic thing for the tight end spot is to have uh, Greg Olson come in. And if we miss out on him, cool. Like, we, we can get somebody else. We'll get Eric Ebron or whoever. But I think drafting one of those three guys is going to be huge because I think all three of those guys could come in and make big catches, spread the offense, help Terry out, help Sims, help whoever lines up across from Terry at the wide receiver spot. And then opens up our run game. With this offense, people just haven't seen enough of it to know what we need and what to expect. But I absolutely think those guys can come in and make a huge difference. And I think Greg Olson helping them, teaching them, them learning through him will help them develop and could turn into a big name tight end in the next few years. So I feel good about that. The combine's coming up, like I said. Definitely need to pay attention to that. Some people think it's boring, but uh, something about it just intrigues me. I'm always watching that. Uh, but the the most important upcoming date, something that's very interesting that Ron Rivera was talking about, is February 10th, everybody goes back to work. And he said that's just everybody finding their core group of guys. And like I played in the video, he was really just breaking down each position. He said tight end's a huge question mark. So I think that's when they sit down, you know, say this is what we got. We need some answers from Reed. We need to know what we're going to have next season. And he even said, I expect him to retire. And he said he expected Vernon Davis to retire, and he did, so we'll see. But I think this is when things start getting going. Greg Olson's making his last visit to Seattle, and he'll be wrapping that up uh, by the beginning of next week. So stay tuned and watch out for that. Watch February 10th. That's when things start for Ron Rivera. They've been hard at work, and they took a, a small break for the Super Bowl. Um, but they're absolutely getting back to work. Um, but the combine starts February 23rd and goes on to March 2nd. Like I said, it's a good list of guys, you know, even guys I didn't mention uh, on the podcast that are going to be uh, showing out in Indy at the combine. So definitely stay tuned and watch out for that. Um, but I really had a good time just breaking down the tight end spot and really just just obsessing over what the Redskins offense could look like next season and what we need. Yes, it would be awesome to have austin hooper and just every free agent in the world that we want but how many times has it actually happened for redskins not many Landon collins was a huge get years ago when we got deshaun jackson everyone was hype about that when we got josh norman everybody was hype about it but to me i'm just not i'm not putting all my eggs in a basket saying oh we're definitely going to get hooper or we're definitely going to get henry 
you just you don't know. So to me, I feel more confident that we could land Greg Olson, draft a guy like Adam, Colby, and Harrison, and then have Hale be the third spot and uh, let him grow through it too. I mean, he showed that he can do things in here, and I, I would think he'd be one of the better blocking tight ends on the team. Um, that's just my projection. Obviously, we have to wait till the draft. Uh, I've hurt your feelings with the Thaddeus Moss takes. I apologize. It's just my opinion, and it's just what I've seen throughout his career. It is just what I saw breaking down everything and what the Redskins need. And to me, that is a tall receiver that can get upfield, spread the defense, line up as a wide receiver, and make big plays. Just like Kittle, just like Kelsey, just like Gronk did. What separates the good tight ends from the greats that win Super Bowls? I mean, the, the proof is there. Obviously, we need to address it. Um, I got all the faith that Ron Rivera will absolutely do so. Like I said, this has been a blast breaking this down. Feel free to chime in. Let me know what I said wrong. Tell me what you agree with. I'm with y'all. I love interacting with y'all. Definitely saw a lot of takes both ways. Uh, and that's one thing that really intrigued me to do the tight ends first was not only Greg Olson, you know, doing his visits, but uh, it's just been a hot topic within Redskins Twitter. And I've been talking to a lot of people about it. So uh, I'm more than likely going to be breaking down the wide receivers next. And good Lord, it is going to take some time because this, this draft is just so freaking deep. And I'm going to tell you all why we need to save our free agent money for other positions besides the wide receiver position. And why we need to lean heavily in the draft. Kind of like how we're going to be doing with the tight ends. Pay Greg Olson cheap, draft a stud tight end, short term and long term. But yeah, absolutely got some great things lined up. Uh, like I said, I'll be doing the majority of each position. I'm not going to do like left guard, right guard, like just break it down that bad. But like offensive line, stuff like that, secondary, what we need. Um, but yeah, let me know. Uh, what what you think I should do next? Probably leaning more towards the wide receivers, just because it's so deep. And I already did some uh, breakdown at that role uh, earlier in the off season. But uh, stay tuned. I'm excited for the draft. I might actually be going to the draft in Vegas. Don't know yet. Uh, girlfriend kind of brought it up as an idea, kind of took me by surprise. But if so, uh, I'll definitely do something there. But if not, I might have a little draft party. Um, up in like Virginia or where I live out in Wilmington. There's actually a lot of Redskins fans in North Carolina. I haven't seen many Panther fans, but uh, Wilmington has a ton of Redskins fans. Huge surprise, but also a delight. So, But I appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you think differently if you agree with me. I love the talk. That's one thing, too. A lot of Redskins fans can't handle it, but I enjoy it. If we don't agree on something, I like saying why, and then we just go our own ways like it's cool. Um, some fans get a little too sensitive, but every fan base has that. Um, but feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Berg Network Pod. I'm sure you follow me already. And then give my personal account a follow, Josh Taylor underscore 21. Shout out to Sean Taylor. Yeah, hit me up on there and definitely look forward to doing more of these for y'all. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of options, and I have full trust that Ron Rivera and Scott Turner uh, will definitely get the pieces that we need. But stay tuned. I'm definitely going to be doing uh, more of these with other positions as the offseason continues leading up to the draft. Definitely excited to watch the combine, break down some film, uh, and talk uh, players with y'all on there too. And also, you know, there's a couple guys out there working hard doing the same thing. And uh, definitely give my guy Adam a follow on Twitter. Uh, if you don't already, at the BNG Report. Great guy. Definitely been talking to him a lot about uh, potential guys for the Redskins and he's just doing a lot of great things breaking down film um, he's just he's been a great source I enjoy talking to him getting his input and opinions on players uh, but stay tuned got more coming up but I'm Josh Taylor this is the Burgundy Network podcast and I will see y'all next time HTTR Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.